one pitch, swing and a drive, deep to right field, way up there, way out of here, goodbye baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. And welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Thanks for being here once again. Mariners pod at Mariners pod on Twitter and the secret to Mariners pod on Twitter. The podcast is up the second the podcast goes up and it's put up by MLB. The second it goes up. Mariners pod will let you know that very second. That is the benefit. Well, one of the many benefits of following at Mariners pod on Twitter. You get to know the second the podcast is posted most of the times in the middle of the night, but sometimes it varies. But thanks for being here. Once again, I digress. The Mariners fall to the Rangers last night, fourth loss in a row for the M's and another tough one as they go down to the Rangers in game one of the three-game series before an off day and then heading out on the road to New York. Mariners lose 7-3 to three to the Rangers. Good podcast coming up. Glad you're here. So Aaron Goldsmith is going to be by in a few minutes. He had a really fun conversation with the bench coach from the uh, Texas Rangers and former big leaguer Steve Bye Bye Bouchel. And it's great conversation. He's going to talk about playing against King Griffey Jr. Talks about playing against Edgar Martinez. And he's going to talk about his old college roommate. And unlike my old college roommates or your old college roommate, his old college roommate was John Elway. So that makes it a little more interesting. So that comes up in a few minutes, which is fun. Josh Kearns is going to be back again this year, which is awesome. Josh Kearns puts together some excellent pieces, one uh, one a week, and they're always outstanding, kind of a behind-the-scenes look at the Seattle Mariners. And his first one of 2016 is here as he looks at opening day. So that's fun, too. So that comes up. And also, uh, Felix highlight at the end. If you remember this one from 2007 when he threw the one-hitter at Fenway Park, Kind of an extended call of the last out of his one-hitter, Fenway Park in Boston. So that's fun at the very end of the podcast. First things first, though, let's talk about the game last night as the Mariners fall to the Rangers, now 2-5 and five on the season. They've dropped four in a row after taking two of three from Texas to start the year. Mariners searching for offense, and things look good early on as Nelson Cruz driving in a run with a double early on in the ball game to give the Mariners an early lead. The 2-1 pitch, swung on ground, ball inside the bag at third, fair, down the left field line. Seager rounding third, he's going to score. Cruz the second, up with the ball. Ryan Rua, the throw to second, not in time. Nelson Cruz slides in with a two-out RBI double. And the Mariners get the base hit they were looking for in this series with a man on in scoring position. Cruz with a double. Yeah, great start for the M's. A run on the board in the first, but much like the last time they faced Colby Lewis, he would settle down after that. 
He ended up going six innings, just giving up one earned run and four hits. Meanwhile, Hisashi Iwakuma, not razor sharp, gave up a run in the second, a run in the third, a run in the fourth, although his final line, six innings, giving up just three earned runs. Fanned seven in the start. He did give up eight hits. So kind of a strange line for Iwakuma. He walked one in the start. But he certainly gave the Mariners a chance as he leaves with a 3-1 to deficit. But then the Rangers play add-on. They score one in the seventh, three in the eighth to extend the lead before the Mariners will get two more back. Thanks again to Nelson Cruz. The 1-0 pitch on the way to Cruz. Swing and a fly ball into center field in deep. Desmond going back to the one. He tracked to the wall. Leaps up. Goodbye baseball. Straight away center field just to the right of the batter's eye. Nelson Cruz with a two-run home run here in the bottom of the eighth. His second home run of the season. But once again, another game with the Mariners had some chances and just couldn't come through. Dyson's pitch, swinging a ground ball, tight to the line, first base. Moreland tackles it, picks himself up, and he sprints across the bag at first for the unassisted out. Aoki looked like he might be able to squirt it past Moreland, but he was playing deep and near the line. He guarded that perfectly, and the Mariners leave him loaded. That was a pretty good play by Moreland and a perfect description. He complete, uh, completely engulfed the baseball. <laughs> he just smothered it and then took it to the bag to end the inning. But chances for the M's, they couldn't come through, and they fall to the Texas Rangers. Iwakuma tagged with the loss. He falls to 0-1 on the season. Lewis improves to 1-0. Montgomery gives up four earned out of the pen, going two innings, six hits along the way. Zick pitched one clean inning and fanned three. Fanned all three batters he faced. Here's what the skipper had to say after the ballgame. Here's Scott Service. Yeah, no, we, uh, I thought, you know, Nelly did obviously drove in all the runs tonight. And, uh, you know, he's, he's looking much more comfortable at the plate than, than he was early on. But, uh, you know, we, we struggled to put consistent uh, quality at-bats together. You know, it just, just isn't happening right now. And, um, you know, what are you going to do? You just got to keep battling, keep fighting through it. And, you know, eventually we'll come out of it. Yeah, Lewis on the ropes a little early, but did he settle in? Or did he, yeah. Oh, yeah, he, he definitely did. Uh, I think he was more aggressive tonight. Um, you know, and then probably used a few more fastballs than, than what he normally did, at least last time we saw him, which is it's what he is. He's a veteran guy. He knows how to make adjustments, and, uh, you know, he uh, he made pitches. He made pitches against us. Kuhn just didn't look real sharp. He did. No, you know, uh, you know he, he was battled. You know, he gave us a chance. You know, we're in the game. You know, when he, when he leaves 3-1 after six innings, and, you know, uh, maybe not his sharpest outing, but, you know, he kept us in there. He gave us a shot. You need a little bit more from Montgomery, though. Yeah, Mike, Mike wasn't as sharp tonight, um, you know, as he has been as his previous outings. But, uh, you know, we'll continue to give him the ball. Uh, like his stuff, like his arm. Again, he's he's transitioning into the bullpen, and there will be some nights uh, like there is tonight. But, uh, you know, you need to get those lefties out, you know, when you throw that hard. And, and uh, you know, that inconsistent with the breaking ball, I thought, uh, you know, Odor had a good at bat against him to move the runners over. And, you know, little things like that uh, he'll continue to get better at. Sounding a little indicative of the struggles. You get the guys on at the top of the order and you get by, and then a couple quick outs after that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think it was uh, seventh, I think, was when Dyson, we had Dyson out there, and, uh, uh, you know, we had the bases loaded, and, and Ioki actually hits a ball okay down the line. They make a play, that, that happens. It's, it's the big leagues. But, uh, uh, yeah, we need a little good fortune uh, to turn uh, our way. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we got to keep battling, and we got to make it happen. It's not nobody's going to give it to us. Um, and and we've got to be a little bit more 
more aggressive and and uh, play a little bit more edge. You know, and we'll see. We'll see how that comes comes about tomorrow night. And we'll talk about tomorrow night in just a second. First, though, let's hear from Nelson Cruz, who's starting to warm up a little bit. I feel like your swing's starting to come around a little bit. You had the double early and then the home runs. I feel like it's time to kind of get where you want to be. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, my swing is there, you know. Um, just uh, I'm out of time. So. Nelson, what's it kind of been like in here, though? Like, you guys are fighting to score runs. You know, you get it just the last few games. What's that outlook been kind of like? Um, just we need to get the done, you know. We need to get runners on base, you know, and uh, the middle of the lineup should do drive it in, you know. That's it, you know. It's nothing complicated. That's what should be done. When you look at it, I mean, is this any different than any other time of the year when you have a couple of games where yeah. it's going this way? Or is this getting into the season a little bit for you guys? Oh, yeah. Um, it's a long season, you know. Um, you got to see it that way, you know. If no, it's gonna get in your head. So um, you got to take one game at a time. Just forget about four or whatever games you have. You know, it's one game at a time, and that's the way we have to look at it. Yeah, and that cruise base hit early in the ball game. It snapped an 0 for 16 hitless streak with men in scoring position during the homestand, but. If you include tonight, the Mariners just 3-for-23 with men in scoring position so far during this homestand. they like to turn that around with two more games left. Robinson Cano, he goes 0-for-4 in the game. It snapped a 31-game on-base streak, which dated back to September 7th of last year. He had 317 during that streak with 11 home runs, but now goes by the wayside, did not get on base last night. Here's what Robbie Cano had to say about it. It's obviously been a tough couple of days. What are you guys battling right now? Well, I mean, it's yeah, just a situation. We gotta, we gotta get better. You know, when we win, win games, scoring one run, and you know, gotta take advantage early, especially when you face your division. I mean, so I say, we gotta get better. We may score in position. You guys did a little bit early on, and then it looked. Did he get a little bit tougher then? Did he? Well, I mean, it's the same. The second time it happened with him, we scored two the first time, and then after that. He settled down and started missing his pitches, and same thing he did today. What is it about? I mean, it's a fastball that it's being effective with, with not much. What, what well, he's the guy that moved the ball pretty good, and you know, worked corner, and his corner was moving good today. It's like everything was good today. I mean, like I said, he's the guy that been in the league for so long, and guy he know he knows how to pitch. How's your swim? You're so hot. How's your swim feel right now? I feel good. My swim feel really good. I mean, you just seen it happen in the game. You know, when I get a hit every day, and those are the kind of things that you got to learn from them. I mean, just forget about what happened today and be ready for tomorrow. This, this guy's starting to heat up a little bit, but uh, good to see him. Yeah, it's always good to see him heat it up because, you know, we know when he when he makes contact, he can hit out the ballpark anywhere. Okay. He hit that ball far. I mean, that's oh a tough spot God, to go that was out, a especially. Bullet. I thought he was going to hit the wall, but that thing was <laughs> he's strong, man. He got sick power. Hey, with, with Lewis, is it a guy who nibbles the corners like that? Is it important to be more patient? How? I mean, what was your guy's approach? Well, I mean, today he's, he was running out of sight. Right. I mean, he was getting, you know, first pitch, first try, and then he started nibbling, moving the ball, and that's how we pitch. Oh, yeah, came up, yeah. If he doesn't came up, I had that one easily. But came up last second. So on to today for the Mariners as they will turn to Wade Miley making his 
home Mariners debut. He's going to take on a lefty in Derek Holland for the Rangers. Mariners still have a chance to take the series, but to do that, they have to win tonight. So Miley against Holland, 7-10 first pitch from Safeco Field, and then day baseball on Wednesday, quick turnaround. So Mariners would love to get the game before heading out onto the road. Uh, love to get both these games before heading out on the road and take this series and turn the offense around as they fall last night, looking to even this series today against Texas. Speaking of Texas, Aaron Goldsmith, the chance to catch up with the bench coach for the Texas Rangers, Steve Bouchelle. Here it is. Boo, this is such a fantastic time for Major League Baseball in terms of a youth movement. We are seeing young players in both leagues in every division making huge contributions, and it appears as though, even though it's been just one game, the Rangers have a very good-looking young prospect in Nomar Mazzara. Made his big league debut yesterday, three for four, a, a mammoth home run out to center field. What did you see from the 20-year-old in his first dip in the big leagues? You know, what's funny is everyone brings up the 20-year-old, and, and, and I get – I still get jolted by that a little bit because you look at him and I certainly don't see a 20-year-old uh, when I see him. He's, he's so mature. Uh, he's been around now for a few years, but the kid can hit. I mean, that's what he's just born to hit. And He, look, he looks like a, a calm, quiet, seasoned veteran when he's up at the plate. And what a, day, what a day he had breaking in, a couple singles and a home run. But um, he's certainly a guy that can come up and handle it for an extended period of time. Hopefully he'll probably make decisions tough. Um, by the time we got Chu back. Shinsu Chu on the disabled list because of the calf injury. And based on what we have read and what we even saw a little bit in the highlights in Anaheim, the adjustments that he made during his swing on some pitches that were from Jared Weaver anywhere from the mid-60s to low-80s were beyond his years. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that is fair to say. I mean, when you face Weaver, and this may sound silly, but it's kind of like facing a knuckleballer. I mean, you got to come up with an approach because he definitely throws the ball below hitting speed. And Nomar, I mean, right out of the gate, you can see just how he goes up there in the frame of mind he, he goes up there with to make adjustments, and, and he, he succeeded well. Boo, a lot of Mariners fans likely remember you from your days over a decade in the major leagues, almost 40 games you played inside the kingdom. What are your memories playing in the Dome? Certainly this area looks a lot different now with the <laughs> kingdom gone and all the parking lots that used to be. Um, you know, it was a different place to go play. Uh, always fun to come to Seattle. It was always beautiful. Um, I know they say it rains a lot here. I think it's all a lie because every, every time I've been here, it's been it's been beautiful. But, yeah, I remember the Kingdom obviously very well. And I, I don't know everyone remembers that highlight of Ken Griffey making that catch and kind of playing Spider-Man on the wall. That was against us. That certainly stands out. Could you believe that he made that catch? No, and the way he did it, just going full speed. I think Julio Franco hit the ball. I'm not sure about that, but just the full speed and, and reaching up and then kind of plugging on that wall, <laughs> it, was, it, it was awesome. King Griffey Jr. going into the Hall of Fame this summer, the highest first place, highest vote percentage uh, in the history of Cooperstown. When you saw him play, because your career was winding down as his was beginning to ramp up, could you tell then and there, obviously, that there was something pretty special about him? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think back then it was he was probably the best player in baseball. And I think there were arguments maybe in the 90s whether it was Griffey or Bonds. You know, those were the two names that came out. But I think Griff, from the time that he came up, as a, as a I believe he might have been 19 or 20 as well when he came up. You know, it was an instant impact and, and uh, just a real fun player to watch. As you are in the Rangers' third base dugout here at Safeco Field, in the other dugout, 
is Edgar Martinez, another guy that you had a chance to play against. What was it like watching Edgar from the other side? You know, you, you disliked him because he had such a good swing. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, I wasn't a good hitter, and anybody that, that has a good swing, you just, you're jealous of him, you know, and he was such a good hitter, professional hitter, and he, he never seemed overmatched, never saw him get jumpy. He was always calm, and uh, obviously, I remember him beating us and, and killing us with some big hits, but just the fact that he was just such a pure hitter. Boo, before you were in Arlington, before you were drafted by the Rangers, you were in sunny Palo Alto playing for the Cardinal, and you were roommates with a Hall of Famer and John Elway. Can you take us back to those couple of years in college with John Elway playing baseball, what that was like? Yeah, you know, he was he was a great baseball player, and I've always said this. I think he would have been an all-star had he, had he stuck with baseball. He was that good. Um, I certainly think he made the right decision uh, going the quarterback route, and I couldn't have been more happy for him this year getting another Super Bowl, you know, as an executive for that ball club. So, uh, I mean, we still keep in touch and, and have a great relationship. But as always, it's so great to see you. Thank you so much for the time, and welcome to Seattle. You got it. Thanks. I love the comments on Edgar Martinez. I think that's outstanding. And I'm so happy that Josh Kearns is back again this year with his – Weekly look inside the Mariners, and this is another good one. They always are. Here's Josh Kearns. It's been anything but quiet at Safeco Field throughout the offseason, both on and off the field. Veteran groundskeeper Bob Christofferson and his crew have been hard at work keeping the grass growing all winter long with the help of some special grow lights Bob brought in from the Netherlands. We were the first team in Major League Baseball to get them. Uh, the first professional team was the Packers in Green Bay, and I, I talked to their groundskeeper. You know, we're the farthest, most northern city in Major League Baseball, so we get the least amount of daylight on our field so the grow lights we put them out middle of february and even though we've had one of the wettest winters in history bob says the grass has grown more than he can ever remember the field is in perfect shape like always and as opening day approached this week bob and the crew put the finishing touches on their work painting the team logos and other special artwork that commemorates opening weekend some of bob's other handiwork is a bit more subtle this season but could have a big impact it sprung from some inspiration he got one day as he worked on the field and looked down the lines. I went to Scott's service uh, early February and I just said, Scott, you know, um, this is our baseline. I, I, I'm thinking that it would help the team a little bit if we moved, uh, added some grass to the fair side of the baseline so that if we end up bunting more, that the ball, it's easier for the ball to stay fair in grass than it is on dirt. So if you look closely, you might notice there's 18 inches more grass on the first and third baselines this season. You know, if it equates to three or four bunts that stay fair or a couple of wins and it makes a difference in the, the whole thing, then I, I'm I'm happy. I can tell you that I be, will be watching for bunts a little bit more. That's not the only change fans will find at Safeco Field this year, though. There'll be a, a, a second kids area um, up on the upper deck in the outside corner uh, for families that are on the upper deck that don't make it down to the main play area. So uh, there'll be a new option for, for kids and families up 
up there. Tony Pereira is the Mariners' senior director of ballpark operations. He says there will be plenty of new faces as well around the stadium this season. Yeah, that's right. This year we brought in almost 300 new hires, joining a, a group that will total about 1,300. It doesn't count center plate, food and beverage, and police and medics. I mean, opening day, if you talk total number of people working at a sellout, it's over 2,000. Along with training all those new people, Tony and his team have overseen an off-season of maintenance, which really ramped up over the last couple of weeks as crews polished and painted Safeco Field so it sparkles and shines on opening night. But it's what happens on the field that really matters most. We try to make opening night unique and look for unique ways to uh, to highlight the players and uh, to celebrate the game's return. But baseball is also about tradition. You don't uh, every year say, you know, what are we going to do different in the seventh inning? Well, we're going to sing the seventh inning stretch. You know, we're going to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. That's what we do during the seventh inning stretch. Other highlights included soon-to-be Mariners Hall of Famer Ken Griffey Jr. throwing out the first pitch, a special remembrance and moment of silence for former Mariner Dave Henderson, the team's first-ever draft pick who passed away in December, and the presentation of the American League Silver Slugger Award to Nelson Cruz. Barrera says it's a success exciting for those off the field as it is for the players on it. You know, you spend six months preparing for it, and then um, the crowd, the gates open, the crowd comes pouring in, and um, yeah, you still get chills during the anthem and, and the pregame ceremonies, and um, yeah, that's when, that's when all the hard work pays off. I'm Josh Kearns reporting for the Mariners Sunday Magazine. Now, the young man is set. Here is the pitch, and that's right down the middle first strike. On one, on Kevin Euclid. And the one strike pitch now by Felix. A breaking ball, it just misses high, and the count is at a ball and a strike. Well, if it ends up being a one hitter, it, the hit was a legitimate hit. It wasn't a flare, it wasn't a bloop. Here comes the one one pitch on the way, and the strike is called on the outside corner. One and two, and it's game time for the Boston Red Sox. That time is slider. And Felix Hernandez, one strike away from his third complete game of his career. Here's the pitch on the way. Swing and a miss, and down he goes, and down go the Boston Red Sox. And Felix Hernandez has pitched a one-hitter, a brilliant one-hitter, gets a hug from his catcher, Kenji Jojima, who puts his right hand over his right shoulder. He ends up throwing 111 pitches in a masterpiece. So the young man, as we mentioned, only three days into his 22nd year, steals the show from Japan. He steals the show from Matsuzaka, from Ichiro. Jojima, however, the man that caught him, called a brilliant ball game and contributed a pair of doubles in the win. The Mariners win it 3 to nothing behind the brilliant pitching of Felix Hernandez. And in 17 innings this year, Felix Hernandez has yet to give up a run. The final, the Mariners three, and the Boston Red Sox nothing. See you later!